0: you know that i did not choose the psalm of praise and i did not choose the message of mission and i did not choose the text of togetherness i chose this text about how a lot of people died until they didn't anymore because of a sacrifice of blood and wood and i'll tell you this i chose this text because i want you to know this that this church is not just a place where you can come to experience love. And this is not just a place where you can come to feel known. And this is not just a place where you can go to experience kindness and service. This is a place where your sin, your death, your plague, this is where it gets life. The sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintigard.com. The section of scripture for today that we are going to be digging into comes from Second Samuel chapter 24, verses 15 through 25. So the Lord sent a plague on Israel from that morning until the end of the time designated. <clears throat> And 70,000 of the people from Dan to Beersheba died. When the angel stretched out his hand to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord relented concerning the disaster and said to the angel who was afflicting the people, Enough, withdraw your hand. The angel of the Lord was then at the threshing floor of Araunah the Jebusite. When David saw the angel who was striking down the people, he said to the Lord, I have sinned. I, the shepherd, have done wrong. These are but sheep. What have they done? Let your hand fall on me and on my family. On that day Gad went to David and said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana the Jebusite. So David went up as the Lord had commanded through Gad. When Araunah looked and saw the king and his officials coming toward him, he went out and bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. Araunah said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? To buy your threshing floor, David answered. So I can build an altar to the lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Araunah said to David, Let my lord the king take whatever he wishes and offer it up. Here are oxen for the burnt offering, and here are threshing sledges and ox yokes for the wood. Your majesty Aruna gives all this to the king. Aruna also said to him, May the Lord your God accept you. But the king replied to Aruna, No, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then the Lord answered his prayer on behalf of the land and the plague on Israel was stopped. This is God's word. Lord, we need you in this place. We need your word in this church. We need your sacraments among us because we need life in this place. I pray, Spirit, that you come to your people as you promised by the power of your word to give them faith and hope and love. Amen. There are agonizing questions that pastors need to answer every once in a while. Questions like the ones that have been confronting me over the past several weeks. Questions like this How do you take a spiritual community? at at a pivotal juncture in its life? How do you take that spiritual community and move it forward in God's way? And questions like this. How do you take a moment that is so filled with emotional charge? And how do you give it the proper and true spiritual context that it deserves? How do you do that? Those are the questions that have been tumbling around in my mind for the past several weeks. And today, I'm very aware that I need to answer them. And I think I have. I think I have answered them, and I think I have answered them in the text that has been chosen for today. I'm guessing that as... I read the text that many of you were thinking, boy, why'd you pick this text for our anniversary service, Pastor? It's kind of a gruesome one. A lot of people died. Why'd you pick this one, Pastor? And, and, and I get it. I own the choice of this text. I know, I'm very well aware that I could have picked a psalm of praise for today. I could have picked a message of mission for us, a mission congregation. I put, could have picked a text of togetherness, that that, that we have come together in a time when it's really hard to come together. But I didn't. I picked a text where a lot of people died until they didn't anymore. And before you go and start thinking poorly of me... (laughs) I want to give you my rationale. I promise that this wasn't a randomly picked text. This text is kind of a big deal in the Old Testament. This is the final account of the book of the Samuels, both Samuel 1 and 2. And it's unique because in all of 1 and 2 Samuel, the narrator narrates chronologically. He takes things in 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 temporal order, but this one is unique in that it gets plucked out of order and it gets plopped right onto the end. If you're a literary kind of person, then you know that this is kind of an appendix. This is the concluding remark of the Spirit in this text. This is what he wants you to remember from everything he's written. And even bigger than that, this is the key. This is the hinge to understanding everything, not only in the Samuels, but also in the entire Bible. Because something monumental happened in this account. Maybe you caught it, but it was pretty subtle. You, you notice that David went and he bought a threshing floor and he built an altar. Do you know what that altar became? It became the temple of Jerusalem. What you have here in this text is the founding of the first permanent church in Bible history. And what you have in the context of this text is you have the Holy Spirit teaching us what we get to think and what we get to believe and what we get to know every time we walk into our church. It's a big text. And it's not an easy one. I'll be the first to admit that. It's, it's a difficult text, but it's not because of the details. The details are easy. What you have is King David. It's a time of peace in Israel. And King David, he wants to take a census of all of his fighting men. He wants to count how many men are willing and able to fight for him in his kingdom. And his second in command, his name is Joab. Joab tells him earlier in the chapter, David, this is a terrible idea. And David says, do it. And so the number of fighting men in Israel are counted. And as soon as David receives the number, he knows that he has messed up. He knows it. This is what he says about it. He says, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. Now, Lord, I beg you, take away the guilt of your servant. I have done a very foolish thing. David knows he has sinned. David knows he deserves punishment. And I know that your modern mind is probably thinking right now, what is the big deal, David? Why are you panicking so much? It's just a census." We do this every ten years, David. It's just a little slip, a slip of paper that you send back in the mail. That's all it is. David, why are you wigging out so much about this? But this was a sin. The Lord viewed what David had done as being something profoundly evil. And David understood that. The morning after, before David had even gotten out of bed, God sent his prophet Gad to David, and and Gad had a message. It was a kind of pick-your-own-poison kind of message. Gad told David, you got three choices for your punishment here, David. You can pick three years of famine on your land. Or you could pick three months of armies coming and marauding and, and ravaging your people. Or you can pick three days of God. You can pick three days of God bringing death. And David chose and he said, God, I know that you are a God of justice. And that your justice needs to be served. But I also know that you are a God of compassion and mercy. I choose you, God. And so death came. And 70,000 people died. 70,000 people. I can tell by the look on your faces that this is a shocking number. It is shocking. It's more people than live in the city of Tigard. I recognize that look on your face because I have had that look on my face before about this text. Back in, in high school and college, I would have these, these David fits where I would get really deep and dive into David. And and I did that because David's story is so relatable and understandable in so many ways. There are moments when you feel that you have the faith of David and you would follow God into anything. And there are moments when you can relate with the weakness of David as he fell into sin and tried to cover it up. And then you can say thank you to God for his faithfulness. But this text right here was always incomprehensible to me. I would look at this text and I would see the number 70,000 and I would think, why are you so mad about this God? Why are you so mad about counting that you went out and took it out of 70,000 of your children? Why are you so upset about counting God? I didn't get it. I do now. Now I understand the spiritual significance of counting. Maybe you do too. Now I understand maybe you too too why David counted his fighting men in a time of peace. Maybe you understand too that this had nothing to do with planning, it had nothing to do with strategy David counted his men for pride. For boasting. For security. So that he could wake up in the morning and look at the number of his men and feel really secure about that. He counted his men so that he could count on them. Did you know that we do the same thing? We do the same thing, and we do it for the same reasons. We count things in our lives so that we can count on them. The biggest, most obvious one example is money. You know, you look in your bank account, you look at the amount that is there, and and maybe you get this warm, fuzzy feeling in your belly because you know that there is more than enough there to pay the bills. And that there is enough money there that you can count it and that you can count on it. And if we're honest, we we can do that with with our personal achievements, right? We remember them, we count them so that we can count on them. So that we can glory in them and feel proud about them, so that we can have a sense of purpose and a sense of self. This is why we count everything in our lives. We count our friends, we count our Facebook likes, we count the square footage of our house, so that we can count on these things, so that we can know that we're safe, so that we can know that we're something, so that we can feel in control. Can you imagine why God would be so profoundly upset about this? Speaking of counting, did you know that this is God's first commandment that he gave us? It's commandment number one. You shall have no other gods. You shall trust in no other thing above me. You shall count on no other thing besides me. And now he sees David. Now he sees us counting on the things that he gave us. Instead of counting on him, can you understand why God was angry? Can you understand why God was so profoundly upset about counting? 70,000 people. 70,000 people that God took from this world, like I said, it's more people than reside in the city of Tigard. 70,000 people. It's an almost incomprehensible amount of people that died in a three year stretch until you recognize something else. Until you recognize that we are all still dying, that the plague is still very real. You know from the news that in the past month we crossed the threshold of one million people that have died of COVID. You know in the news that that there are children that are dying in their schools. You can see, you know that we are all still dying. You can recognize that death would have been the only thing if David had not stood in the gap. if David had not interceded for us. Did you see that that's what David did? David went to God, he saw all the death that was happening because of him. And he went to God and he said, I have sinned. I, the shepherd, have done wrong. These are but sheep, God. What have they done? Let your hand fall on me and on my family. And God said, okay. Okay, David, but it's going to cost you. And God's hand did fall on David. And it did fall on David's sacrifice. And the reason that the plague stopped was because of the sacrifice of wood and blood that David made on the threshing floor of Arauna. It's important that we notice that this was a costly sacrifice here. You know, I was kind of hoping that that as I read this text, we'd stay engaged together in this. There's so much action happening on the front end of the text and the back end, it gets a little bit dry. You get just this negotiation between David and Arauna about how much the field is gonna cost. And I was hoping that the thought wouldn't be going through your head that you know this is kind of a, of a boring part of the text, pastor. Why are you bothering to read this? <laughs> we know that there is nothing in the Bible that is put here for no reason. And we've got to see what the Spirit is doing, and we've got to see what He's not doing. What the Spirit is not doing is He's not giving us an insight into ancient Near East bartering and pricing. And He's not giving us a moral lesson about how you should probably pay for the things that you value. What the Spirit is doing is He is showing us that the plague stops only because of a costly sacrifice. David knew that Araunah wanted to give him the land for free and David said, "No, I am not going to make a sacrifice on land that was given me for free. It's going to cost me." And so David bought that land at a costly price and he built an altar and he made sacrifices there and the plague stopped. That's what this text is about. It's about how a lot of people died until they didn't anymore. Because of a sacrifice, a costly sacrifice of wood and blood. I think you can guess where I'm going next. (laughs) I think you can guess that I'm going to Jesus that I'm going to David's greater son, Jesus, who came into the world with one thing on his heart and one thing on his mind, that he was going to be greater David's greatest son who came into the world to stand in the gap for us, to intercede on our behalf, to go to God and to say, these are my sheep. Let the punishment fall on me. You can see the difference between David and between Jesus. It was David's fault that the plague happened, but with Jesus, it was our fault that the plague of sin has happened and keeps happening. And Jesus said, "Even so, let the plague fall on me. Let the punishment fall on me." And God said, "Okay." That's why Jesus came. To be the sacrifice for you. To go up onto that same mount of Jerusalem and to make a sacrifice of blood and of wood on the cross for you. To make the costly sacrifice of his life so that you could live truly. That's what Jesus is about. He's about making that sacrifice. He's about coming into the plague of sin which we caused. He's about coming into a world where a lot of people died and making it so that they would no longer truly die. And I'll tell you this. You cannot understand what this church is about until you understand that. And you cannot understand what it means to have real hope for real life until you understand what it was that Jesus sacrificed himself for. And you can criticize me if you like. Why I chose this text, you know that I did not choose the psalm of praise. And I did not choose the message of mission. And I did not choose the text of togetherness. I chose this text about how a lot of people died until they didn't anymore because of a sacrifice of blood and wood. And I'll tell you this. I chose this text because I want you to know this. That this church is not just a place where you can come to experience love. And this is not just a place where you can come to feel known. And this is not just a place where you can go to experience kindness and service. This is a place where your sin, your death, your plague, this is where it gets life. This is where you get to receive true life. This is where you get to hear every single week your sins are forgiven because your Jesus has stood in the gap. He made a sacrifice of blood and of wood so that the plague would be stopped so that you could have true life. Today we we celebrate. It's been one year since we began worshiping every single Sunday. And I want you to know what this church is here for. Because of Jesus, the true David, this church exists To bring you real hope for real life. You can have real hope because Jesus really died. And you can have real life because Jesus really rose. It's why this church exists at all so that you can know that at the cost Of wood and of blood, your Savior, your true David, has given you a true life that has only just begun. And that's something that you can count on. Let's pray. Dear Jesus Christ, we thank you that we do not have to yearn for you, that we do not have to hope for you. We thank you that here at Hope, we get to just receive you. Lord, I pray for everyone here today. Lord, help them to know that today they already have you. They already have life, that your death is their life. That for them, always and only, their life will keep going in you. I pray this in your name. Amen.